Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Health insurance plans come with deductibles and claims processes that are confusing and expensive. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care. Each member gets a personal care advocate and access to thousands of other members ready to help pay for large health expenses. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code HEALTH to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com code HEALTH. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast, as ever. I'm your host, Budge, joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Boys, how are we doing this uh, lovely Friday evening? I'm very well, Budge. Happy Friday, bro. Happy Friday, man. Happy to the end of another week, man. I honestly need the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Dej? How are you feeling? I'm doing very well, bro. You know, we've got a very well-esteemed guest, someone that, you know, is very well-respected within the game. So I'm looking forward to kicking this one up. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, certainly on our platform, we're all about uh, getting perspectives from as, as, as wide a range of people in the game as possible. Um, and I think this uh, special guest is definitely going to bring a different perspective. And I think it's going to be one that we're, we're all going to enjoy. So we're joined by uh, a gentleman who is currently the head coach and, uh, of education and development with uh, the Scottish FA. He's got almost two decades of experience in football. Uh, uh, education and development roles and so he's going to speak <laughs> yeah still fresh as a daisy <laughs> without further ado we welcome greg patterson to the platform welcome 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 welcome, welcome, welcome. guys i'm loving your energy thank you very much it's, it's, it's great to be here it's absolutely fantastic to be here with you and sharing a it's a lovely sunny friday uh, friday evening up here in yeah. scotland believe it or not it's it's probably more <laughs> Whether you guys are probably more accustomed to down there, but it's, uh, it's, it's lovely to be here. It's lovely to be here. Great stuff. And we really appreciate you taking out the, the time, Greg, man. So we're going to kick things off um, with your role and what you do at the moment. So like we were saying before, it, it, it's a role that, you know, loads of people won't be too familiar with and, and, and won't yeah. too much about, um, you know, what you do on a day-to-day basis. So I guess that would be a great place for us to start. Um, you know, what, what does a day in the life look like for you? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting just exactly what you say there. It's, you know, by exactly what you say, it's a role that not too many people will be familiar with, you know. And I remember having this conversation 
with uh, the head of high performance who was rude doctor when I worked in Ireland and, and he said, you know, I remember saying about my friends were doing well in life and, you know, some of them were maybe, you know, architects and some are engineers. I said, yeah, but Greg, there's only one head of coach education for each country and that, that kind of mm. brought it home and no wonder people mm. aren't familiar with this type of role. You know, there is only one head of coach education in each country. In terms of football anyway, there might well be heads of coach education in, in other sports. But in football, there is only one head of coach education per per country. So, fantastic. A, a role I absolutely love. My title is head of coach education and development. The, the the kind of and development words are two that I added on, kind of bolted on as we were going through a little bit about the role. Um, and, and I think that's an important one. It's not just about doing a course. Or it's not just about someone doing a coach education course and then and then disappearing. You know, it's about that. You know, it's about that holistic journey. What do they do mm. to be keep in touch with them after they've completed their coach education courses? And I think that's important, you know, whether they're working perhaps at a club or whether they're, you know, and, and they're always in touch with the Scottish FA or whether they're doing, you know, even at a grassroots club, they might not be in touch as, as much. But that and development part, I think, I think is crucial. So, my, my, you know, you, a day in the life, I don't think, I don't think there is. You know, I don't think they've got the time to listen to that, that extent. You know, there is, there is no structure. I, I sometimes laugh in the office that I'm the head of chaos and development. Because, or, or bedlam and chaos, it's the head of bedlam and chaos because sometimes it can really be like that. You know, you, you try your best to strategize, you try your best to lead and manage a team, but, you know, essentially... Because of the popularity of coach education, because of the, the you know the, the passion and love of the game that people have, then there's so many people wanting to do coach education, and nobody's story, nobody's journey into coach education is the same. Mm. You know, you think you've heard everything. You know, you think you've had every query you can possibly get. You think you've covered everything, but somebody always has a different story. Whether they're coming in at the very basic level one whether come in at UFB license or, you know, or whether they want to join that pathway elsewhere. So very, very different. You know, for me, I've got a fantastic team. I'm thankful to have a, a very good team of, of coach education managers. There's two coach education managers, a coach education coordinator and a coach education administrator. In Scotland, we have, we have six regions as well. So we've got each of those regions as a regional manager and they're all responsible for delivering the lower levels, grassroots type level of coach education throughout the country. So all that to deal with, the, I suppose, and development part again, you know, coach education in Scotland is based within the football development department, but that and development bit can entail a lot of work with the performance department, like Sir Malky Mackay and his role as, you know, as performance director. So then you're talking about you need to you need to work with Sports Scotland, you need to work with UEFA, um, marketing and communications, digital, IT work, finance. The finance director's never far away from the desk, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just uh, there can be so many different things, and, and even things like even things like pathology is a huge thing just now that you know we add so much value on in all our courses. Um, you know, things like this, podcasts to try and keep in touch with people, developing course resources. So you've asked for a day in the life. I, I don't think there is. I don't, I really don't think there is such a thing, you know, but generally speaking, I'll try and start as early as I possibly can. And, um, you know, and you batter. I don't, the thing for me is I don't think it ever stops. And my poor wife and my poor kids, they, you know, they, they get the brunt of that. But it, 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 generally, <laughs> it just doesn't stop. Um, you know, it's, 
you know, you wake up in the morning, you've maybe got inquiries from America or Australia, or you've maybe got inquiries from somebody that can't sleep and is thinking about a course, and you've got an email or you've got a WhatsApp message. And from that point onwards, from the moment you open your eyes, it just it just literally doesn't stop. Um, so yeah, all encompassing, but a, a fantastic job that I just uh, that I just love. Greg, I'm I'm almost gonna go on a tangent, but yeah, yeah. you know I grew up on you know the SPL being this very credible league where you know Rangers and Celtic will go far in European competitions. Obviously. <laughs> In recent years, the league has kind of dwindled and it's not at the same standard as it used to be. Um, obviously, we've spoken to Mick Bill and we've spoken to Stephen Reid and they've said, you know what, sometimes people are lazy when it comes to their analysis of the SPL. But at a grassroots level, what are you guys doing to improve the level in Scotland? Yeah, so we've recently changed all our, or redeveloped, I should say, um, redeveloped all our level one courses, which essentially is the first steps for those, as you say, grassroots coaches. And, and let's be honest, sometimes I don't like using the phrase grassroots coaches because they aren't coaches. They're literally facilitators, leaders, mm. parents. You know, sometimes the word mm. coaches, I think, scares people. And, you know, the, the connotation of that for me is that I think a lot of the times these people just need help for the skills just to be able to put two goals down, put two goals down and let the kids play, you know, and, and try, let's try and get that small-sided games as we possibly can in the early stages for the children. And sometimes I think that's the problem. You know, it's this whole thing that you must have a fancy session, you know, to, to put on. You must have drills and skill practices and what if this doesn't go well, then I need a plan B. Do you know what? In actual fact, you don't need a plan B. If there's a game that the kids love and they get, you know, and they're hooked on that game, you, you don't you don't need a plan B because they'll just play the game. Mm-hmm. And I've got I've got two sons. I've got two sons and a daughter, and, and I help out with the local grassroots team here here in the area I live. And you know, I, I sometimes struggle to get that over to the again the coaches, and I use that loosely. But you know, just games. You know, and even when I'm not there, I'll get phone calls. Greg, I don't know what to do with the kids tonight. Just let them play games. And I think, Doc, coming back to your point, that might have been in the past the strength of the SPL. It was it was street football, you know, in, mm. in our city, Glasgow, Dundee, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, all these cities that, you know, working class people just played the game. Now, unfortunately, as we all know, it doesn't matter if you're in Scotland, Iceland, England, wherever, you know, the, there, there's so much more choice now for children whether that be the, the Nintendo Switches, the Playstations, or whatever else. <laughs> yeah, I've as well as, yeah. <laughs> so, And generally speaking, parents have more disposable income. So they're maybe able to do more. But, you know, so what they're not doing is, is just playing games. They're not going out in the street. Car ownership is now sky high. Society maybe isn't as safe that they can just go out in the street and play. So I mm. think our role just now in coach development is a lot of almost giving that game back to the kids and just letting them play the game taking the pressure off the parent. And let's be honest, the, the, those parents, those volunteers are probably working nine to five, probably very busy in a yeah. nine to five. When have they got time to plan a session? They probably mm-hmm. run home, get themselves very quickly changed into the club track suit, probably throw a packet of crisps or something down their neck. <laughs> and before you know, you've got yeah. 30, 40 kids running about. And this, I just think there's this pressure to put on this game, or sorry, skill practice or drill, no, no, just let them just let them play games. Set up as many small-sided pitches as we possibly can. Let them play games, rotate them around. Yes, you might mm. split that up. But I think that's, 
for me, that's the kind of crux of it. And that's, as I say, that's what we've tried to change just at the turn of this year with our coach education programme is just allowing people to be more knowledgeable about setting up small-sided games and, and letting kids play. Yeah, so when we look at the um, you know, national team, we see a lot of the players playing in the Premier League. Kieran Tierney, you know, the young upstart, Billy Gilmore. We've got Kieran Tierney, that's at Arsenal. Yeah. Do you think these are early signs that show that the Scottish curriculum is starting to catch up to the likes of the England, Wales and other national teams? I'm obviously going to say yes to that question. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, of course I am. Yeah, I would like to think so. You know, Billy Gilmer's the Billy Gilmer's the shining light. Recently, come through our performance school program, which I think for us here, and you know that performance school program is, you know, Billy's the first kind of graduate through that. So okay. things take time. You know, things mm. can't change overnight. Performance schools have maybe been up and running for that length of time to allow Billy Gilmer through three or four years of that graduate and then of course go to Chelsea after Rangers and do very well. Kieran Tierney wouldn't have come through the performance schools as you mentioned but Kieran would have been involved in you know this small sided game that we've, we've been trying to play a lot more of. Andy Robertson's got another fantastic story. Uh, John mm. McGinn. John McGinn. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Fast. So you're right there are there are more and more you know Stuart Armstrong now as well down south so yeah. there are more and John more. Fleck one of my favourite. Fantastic <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so you're right there, there are more um, kind of sprouting up, if you like, um, and that bodes well as well. If you look at our under-17, under-19 international teams, under-21 international teams, to be making the step quicker, which allows them to develop that wee bit quicker as well. You know, so for example, under-21 players that our under-21 manager Scott Gemmel has maybe lost, not lost, but progressed up into the into the national team. So, as you say, Dej, good signs of progression um, being made, but it's about it's about, I suppose, just harnessing that and making that mm. next hopefully, hopefully qualifying for a tournament. Mm. And, and, and Greg, uh, fairly recently, actually, uh, the Scottish uh, FA uh, became the first home nation to create its own uh, mental health course uh, for coaches with the game, right? And of course, that is quite timely, given, you know, um, you know everything that's happening at the moment with, with mental health in the game and recently had Mental Health Awareness Week and that kind of thing. And I guess I, it kind of led me to the question how, because of course it's, it's, it's recently come out, right? But it's not something that was put together and, and developed overnight. There would have been a, a long period of time, research put together. You, you know, you would have spoken to industry, that kind of stuff. So I kind of I kind of wanted to ask, like, how do you arrive at the, the finished product of a, of a course? Say, how how long does it take to develop a course, and yeah. how how many people do you need to t- talk to? How many people are involved in, in in a building of it? That kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, listen, it would be wrong of me to sit here and take the credit for that mental health course. That's 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 not my area of expertise. You know, we've we're fortunate enough that we've got we've got very good people. We're there's what's called Hamden Park is our is our national stadium, as you know, and where the Scottish mm. FA are based. In Hamden Park, we have what we call Hamden Sports Clinic, and we've got fantastic people that work at Hamden Sports Clinic, for, and which is a basically a full time full time physiotherapist. There's a resident doctor in there, uh, sports masseuses, etc., etc., etc. In that Hamden Sports Clinic, now a lot of the staff in Hamden Sports Clinic will also double up. So when underage international teams are playing, and even the full national team are playing, you know they'll be the 
the team doctor, they'll be the team physio, mm-hmm. etc. So we work in, we work a lot with them. So that that's the first thing to say that they should get the credit really for developing that course. I suppose the next thing is is that you know Dr. McLean, who who heads up that Hamden Sports Clinic, he kind of I think met with me maybe maybe three years. I've been in this job four and a half years, maybe three four years ago. John John and I met and we started talking about this idea of integrating a mental health talk into our license courses. So as you know, or, or maybe don't know, but B licenses and A licenses are minimum, a B license minimum of 120 hours, contact hours, A license 180 hours, pro license more so again. So we've got all that contact time. We've got all that contact time with the course participants. So we thought, yeah, let's let's give the guys an hour and a half contact time, you know, so when they're more out in the pitch or maybe in the evening when they come back in from the pitch, then either Dr. John McLean or Dr. Carrie McRae would, would, would go and speak to them. Now, the reason I tell that story is because, generally speaking, no matter how many people we would have on a course, there would always, people are polite, aren't they? They would mm-hmm. always go up to the guest lecturer or the guest speaker at the, end of the, at the end of their speech and maybe say, listen, thanks very much for your, your talk. And then that would be it. They would shake their hand and, of course, they then leave to go to the pitch. I'm always amazed, or I was always amazed, queue of people waiting to speak to either Dr. John or Dr. Carey after their speech. You know, it would, it would literally be, we need to start on the pitch here, but there's still 12 people, maybe more, yeah. waiting to speak to the doctor because they've been affected by, their, by that talk. You know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that emotive. It's not like usual, guys. You can't just say, come on, guys, let's go. We need, we need to go on the pitch. We had to give them the time and the space yeah. To mm-hmm. speak to the doctor, so they recognised that as well, and then started building this. I think in, in conjunction with Breathing Space here in Scotland, started building this e-learning course. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about the build of that. They would have, they would have, they are the experts in that field. Them so, you know, they would have sought further advice from other industry experts, and then we start storyboarding it and we start putting mm. it together. Um, and that's what we're saying to Ella about digital and IT departments within the Scottish FA and, and, and building it as well and testing mm-hmm. it. And it takes quite a lot of time. And then you've got, of course, you've got to try and build an API so that, you know, if Booge, if you log on, you get the credit for that in your, in your Scottish, yeah. FA, Scottish FA coach um, ID account as well. So you're right, there's, there's a lot of pieces to bring the big jigsaw together. But you know, I, I think it is. I think you're right. I think it's a fantastic piece of work that will serve us in, in good stead. And, and even time, as you say, you know, we're lucky that mental, well, lucky, lucky is maybe the wrong word to use, probably yeah. fortunate that Mental Health Awareness Week um, was during this lockdown period. And we decided to push and push and push. And to be fair again to Dr. <laughs> the Dr. Katie, she pushed and pushed and pushed. Greg, we need to get this out during Mental Health Awareness Week. And she was absolutely right to launch it then. Yeah. And in the first week alone, we just just over a thousand, just over a thousand people have been through that course, which is incredible. And that will yeah. just continue to yeah. grow. Just continue yeah. to grow. You know what, Greg? That actually led me to my next question, um, and it was all about this transition um, uh, lockdown period. Yeah. You you touched there uh, um, earlier on about uh, the IT and the digital and that kind of thing, right? So, were you then in a position, given that? all of the storyboards have been done and, and, and not just for um, the, the mental health course, but uh, across the board, were, were you then in a position where it was very easy to transition to online courses? Mm. Um, 
just because naturally speaking, these things would happen face to face. You'd have, you know, like you said, contact time where you're working with these co- coaches, so on and so forth. All of a sudden, that's ended, uh, you know, yeah. once, and everything shifted to, to online. So, how prepared were you for that that shift? Absolutely, absolutely not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> You know, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, and it's an incredible thing. If I was to look back and now, you know, there's probably a presentation in that alone. The, the, just the way we came about that, the way we, you know, the, the team meandered through the processes to get to the end. I can tell a funny story now that we're a bit like Thomas Edison. You'll know the story of Thomas Edison trying to invite invent yeah. a light bulb. Everybody thought Thomas Edison was mad because he kept trying to invite, invent this light bulb, and he kept coming up with a thousand ways not to do it before he found that one way to do it. So I'll never forget the day we left Hamden. It was March the 17th, basically a big meeting at Hamden. And, you know, guys, that's it. Can't work together anymore. You know, we need to now work remotely. Bloody hell, let's, it's, it's adapt or die time, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. I think. yeah. And, Even um, for us, Greg. Even for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so um, fortunate that, that, you know, Canada's a huge, a huge landmass, as we all know, and, and Richie and, and at work, he, Richie's got a good contact in, with the Can- Canadian Soccer Association, so immediately got on the phone to them before we, we had to leave Hamden and um, spoke to spoke to the guys over there in Canada about how they try and do things remotely because they just can't bring people together that often because of the, the sheer landmass. So, you know, up at the top end of the game, we were probably okay. You know, the UEFA license, UEFA license can use things like this like like zoom but the problem was the problem was those kind of grassroots type courses that people need to go on the you know they need to pitch need to go on the pitch so as i say we found found a lot of ways not to do things we thought we'd cracked it and then no we've no cracked it at all so there was a lot of probably took us from week one of working at home through to week six before we launched the first quarter and that was that was sleeping nights a hell of a lot of Zoom calls, a hell of a lot of toing and froing between people. That's no working. Looks fine in my laptop, but doesn't look fine in somebody else's. Yeah. Because, mm. You know, different Wi-Fi speeds and different things. So we, we've we always had this thing, we've tried to attain world-class. And, you know, we, we're good at that now as a team. We kind of say, no, that's no world-class. We can't push that out. That's just not good enough. Mm. Um, and what we found is video food, just video footage was the one we just couldn't get around because mm. you know the wi-fi the wi-fi in my area today might be strong but in your area boots are dead it's just it's just mm. not strong mm, yeah. Yeah. and that just i just everything just falls down because of that absolutely everything so it was coming up with different plat how can we get footage to the people that they can maybe then watch in advance the course participants so getting footage to them in advance drawing up stills so that people can chat through stills and what we've found as well is that I think certainly that our grassroots coach education has now given our tutors the opportunity to talk more about the the how and the why of coaching rather than the what. Mm. I think in coach education over the years we've been very guilty um, of doing what. You know, come and look, come and see a tutor, put on a, a practice and go back to your club and copy it. You know, that was the what. Here's mm. what to do. Here's 60 practices to do. You know, you, you mentioned Michael Beale, for example, earlier. If you want to know what to do, Michael Beale's written a hell of a lot of fantastic books. You know, go and buy one of Michael's books. Yeah, if you want to know what guy. to do for dribbling, mm-hmm. Google Google dribbling practices and you'll find a million of them. Yeah. So 
I think this opportunity has given us a, a, you know, that chance and opportunity to delve further into the, why am I actually coaching what I'm coaching? You know, is it is it real to the game? And that's a big thing for us just now, particularly at the higher level. You know, does does that practice relate to the game? And if it doesn't, let's let's not do it. You know, so it's the how and the why for us that we're finding the benefits of just now. Yes, we need to go into the pitch, and obviously we hope this this piece soon, and obviously it will. And once we get back onto the pitch, then we then we can look at the what. But for now, I think we've got keen and eager and enthusiastic coaches who have come to us and we've managed to deal with that that why and that how that will hopefully then allow them to hit the ground running. So we're doing it the kind of other way around almost um, and able to spend a lot more time going into more detail through the online learning than we probably would have, you know, when you're just getting people in person and the, and the kind of default position is, well, let's get out on the pitch, let's get out on the pitch and show the what. So um, it's been fantastic for us, but as I say, it, it, we definitely weren't prepared. We were lucky in the sense that we we were redeveloping everything anyway. As I said, you know, the, right. the team's quite young. The team we've got in coach education is relatively young in terms of in terms of being together as a team. So, you know, we decided probably two years ago we started redeveloping all our level one stuff. We started trying to push boundaries and, and things like that on our UEFA license courses as well. So we were in that mode of changing and redeveloping. We then launch a course, we then launch a new pathway in January. Six, seven, eight weeks later, then we're told you just can't deliver that mm. new pathway. You've spent two years, two years developing. But the good Brilliant. thing about that was we were used to developing, so we still continued to develop, but then just had to find different ways in which to do it. So, Greg, as the head of coach education and development, over the years, how have you had to adapt the way you manage people? Because, you know, we've seen some great Scottish figures like Sir Alex Ferguson, Kenny Dalglish. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson was famous for this hair-dry treatment. <laughs> but as time went on, he had to adapt his way of management. He had to, you know, treat players differently. So what do you do on a day-to-day to keep enriching yourself? To, be, to keep enriching myself? Yes. I think what I've got into the habit of doing, you know, I'm, I'm about 40 minutes. I'm about a 40-minute 40 commute, 40 commute to Hamden. Um, mm. I'd love to I'd love to sit here and say that I read books because I listen to so many people and they talk about reading books. I, I honestly don't have time. I honestly don't have time. I, I bought a lot of books and I need to read them sometime and I thought maybe a lockdown I'll be able to read them. <laughs> <laughs> Given what I've just described to you then, you know, that, that, that opportunity hasn't been there. For, for me, it's been a lot of podcasts. For me, social media has been very good for me as well. Probably, probably spend too much time on social media, but I can do a lot of learning through it by you mm. know looking at something that someone's saying and delving into it a little bit deeper. Um, and as I say, using that commute I've got to work for audiobooks or for or for podcasts. I think like things like that that have sprouted in recent years, haven't they? They've really, really grown. Things mm-hmm. like, you know, guys like yourself doing podcasts and listening to listening to some of the guests you've got, which is just fantastic for people um, in terms of learning. Now, a lot of people tell me they can never get me on the phone, but the only chance I've got <laughs> is that. And I think you've got yeah. to. Invest your own learning you know you've got to say right okay I need I need to spend that 40 minutes listening to something or you've the hard day anyway and you just you just you just don't get the time so it's a tough one it's, it's a really tough one I just think as I've said before this job is all-encompassing um so it's just it's just you're just I am anyway I'm just flat 
out speaking to my, you know, my colleague, maybe like Carl Darlington's a good example down in Wales. He says the same. You're never ever finished your work. You're never ever finished. You know, my wife always says to me, "Are you working tomorrow?" And you kind of go, "Yeah, I am." But you know, you're never, you're never switched <laughs> off. You're never. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people say that in football, don't they? A lot of people yeah. say that in football, and you know, but you talked about, you're talking about differences in people as well, and differences in courses. There's been a huge rise in courses in, on match analysis, huge rise on computers, computer literacy. You know, people, we're talking about developing online courses. We were worried about how that might come across. But the majority of people that come onto the courses are far better and far more able on computers and, and you know, IT skills than, than, than we have. So that kind of thing just, that, that, I mean, that kind of thing's just incredible. It just, it, so yeah, that's, the downside of, you know, if you look recently, that <laughs> it's this kind of age of immediacy. I think a lot mm. of younger yeah. people out there, yeah. I need to get on the B licence. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> to get on the B licence, but there's a journey. There's a journey mm. you need to go on. So there's, there's a lot of things changing out there. And it'll be very interesting to see what this new normal looks like. You know, we've we've went hook, line and sinker just now to, to online learning for coaching, but you know, what will we do in the, what will we just wipe everything from online learning in, in six months' time? I, I don't think so. I think there's definitely, mm. a for, definitely a place for it. So what will that hybrid model look like? Mm. Um, what, will, what will a blended learning model look like? There's just, um, it's, it's, it's interesting times to, you know, as you say, Doc, like how, how on earth, what does modern day learning look like and what will it yeah. look like in six yeah. months' time? Yeah, yeah. Mind-blowing. <laughs> Yeah, so when you look at the coaching community, everyone seems to be in unison. Like on Twitter, you can see everyone interacting and sharing information. What three minerals do you think makes a good top coach? What three minerals? I love that. Yeah. A mineral. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a mineral. Yeah, like what three like, characteristics make like a yeah. top coach, in your opinion? Do you know what? You can you can ask a lot of people this, can't you? And and very very seldom do they talk about the way they're able to balance a back four, the way they're able to coach people playing through the through the midfield or whatever. I'm talking about like characteristics, yeah. like maybe yeah, exactly. patience, communication, yeah. those kind yeah. of characteristics. Yeah, and, and communications up there for sure. But you know, it, it, you know, people skills is probably one of the biggest ones. Um, you know, like leadership just fascinates me, and that's something we we do a lot of leadership and psychology. I spoke earlier, I touched on kind of performance psychology, mm -hmm. and just how important that is, and then into mental health. You know, so people skills is just people skills is huge for me. Um, you know, and then it just depends what kind of buckets you put thing and things in. You know, do you put leadership under under people skills? Mm -hmm. I think you've got to have a I think you've got to have a hard work ethic. I don't think you can be successful as a coach if you don't have a hard work ethic. You know, you hear people talking about passion as well. Um, you know, you, you, there's just there's just so many different things. I'm trying to look at my notes today because with the B license today, actually, and some of the coaches spoke about it. You know, Brian McLaughlin spoke about you know just not being able. You can't start early enough. Almost want to become better. You've got to be obsessed with the game. Um, Robbie Nielsen, another one of our tutors today, he talked about getting into the habits of taking notes. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an art that probably people have forgotten. Mm -hmm. Take notes, then reflect, but make sure you take more notes. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think a, something a lot of people are guilty of is, is, is 
you know, they'll pick up a, a book by Guardiola nowadays or a book mm. by Klopp or I'll do that with Monday eights. Whoa, 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 what are you talking about? That doesn't work with Klopp and Guardiola. It's not going to work for your under eight team, even yeah. your under <laughs> You know, so it's that, it's that characteristic of critical thinking. You know, mm. okay, I've seen that, I've heard that. Is it right? Is it wrong? Just because we deliver something on a UEFA B license, a UFA license, that doesn't mean to, doesn't certainly mean it's wrong either. It's, it's someone's opinion, but I think the ability edge to to critically think things through is an art that's you know a, a mineral as you call it that, that's badly badly needed. I think I've given you about six or seven at this point, have I? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Greg, just to interject there because I spoke to a young coach that's in his embryonic stages of his career. And again, what you said is very correct. You pick up a book from Pep because that's who you see on TV. That's your idol. You see Jurgen Klopp, you know, running down the touchline, cajoling his players. And you're like, yeah, I want to be like that. But if you did have to advise a young coach, what should they mould their game around? What should they mould their game around? I think, I think experience at that level. I think experience at that level. It's, it's, for me, it's about context. Mm. It's always mm. got to be about context. You know, <laughs> You know, I'm fortunate in that I can go to games on a Saturday, you know, and I can dot around the country and I can take my kids, because of contacts up here in Scotland, I can take my kids to games and you'll hear fans saying things like, why the hell is he not playing or why is he playing and why is he playing in that position and why is he doing that? The context of it is that's what the head coach has done for a reason. You know, you're maybe just seeing him on a Saturday. There's an awful lot of things happening at that football club between the Saturday the Wednesday night and then the Saturday again or whatever whenever they're playing. So for me that word context can't be can't be underestimated. You know, so again for me working at the grassroots club with my boys, the context of what they've those boys have been up to all day doesn't fit with a Guardiola book. There might be some really, really good messages in a Guardiola book that we can use, some really, mm. really good leadership virtues that we can use, but Guardiola doesn't talk about forty to seven-year-olds that have been school all day, maybe not enjoyed school that much, have went home, maybe haven't had anything to eat, and then all of a sudden they're on a plane pitch with you, or maybe had a, a bag of crisps shoved down their neck, or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be, it's seven mm. o'clock at night, and you've got to entertain them for an hour, and you've got to let them fall in love with the game. So for me, if you're, you're asking about that coach there, Dot, that embryonic stage, it's about somebody that's got vast experience in the grassroots game. Mm. And, and picking their brains yeah, picking yeah. Their, and that's something mm. we're finding fantastically just now on our coach education courses and a lot of the feedback from courses and using breakout rooms on Zoom is the learning mm. if we were to be put in a breakout room just now and told to talk about our experiences of grassroots football we'll learn from each other because of that experience in grassroots football whereas there's another breakout room learning from each other because of their experiences in let's say the senior game you know, so that people are broken up into their different specialisms. So I think it's, for me, again, I like a long answer, but certainly. The one word to sum that up would be context, I think, you know, and, and getting mm. that appropriate context that's going to help that coach at the appropriate time of his career. Mm. You know, you know, another thing, uh, Greg, is going back, we, we were talking about what the new normal is going to look like, right? So once yeah. we're out of this pandemic, you know, what, what will normal be? And, and, and of course, there's no doubt that, you know, football as we know it will, 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 will change and be completely different. 
Um, and and we, we obviously heard recently um, the, uh, the chief executive of the Scottish FA, uh, Ian Maxwell, ca- uh, came out and said that the organisation is going to find it really, really difficult um, making sure that all of the 42 senior clubs are still in existence post the yeah. Um, so I guess I just wanted to, to, to get your thoughts on that, you know. Is, do, do you think it is likely that, you know, that the, the, the FA will be able to secure funding um, from from the world governing body of, of FIFA? Do you, do you think that it is very possible that some of these clubs are going to go out of business? What, what do you think the, the new normal in, in, the, in the football leagues are going to look like? I don't know. I really, really don't. Unfortunately, I don't have that crystal ball. And you probably listen to the same the same interview I did, you know, from from the sounds of things that, that Ian Maxwell had, and it, it, it's a worry. It's a worry, and I, I don't, I don't want, listen, I don't want to give too much away, but speaking to, as I said, the likes of, you know, Robbie Nielsen and Brian Rice and guys that work on our license courses with us as tutors and listening to what they're saying about the state of their clubs, and, you know, that's two Premier League managers I've mentioned, but their situation is quite different, and their take on things is quite different, so it's that unknown and of course, up here, in, well, you've, you've got the same complexity in England. You've got the, the kind of the SPL or the SPFL, I should say, and then you've got the Scottish FA as well. A bit like you've got the Premier League, and then you've got the FA. So mm. sometimes it's not necessarily the Scottish FA's. It is, and it isn't the Scottish FA's issue playing the SPFL league, but they're Scottish FA mm. members. So it's a very complicated situation. Um, and trying to draw money down, as you say, from UEFA and FIFA to then disseminate down to the clubs, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big, big ask. And, and mm-hmm. then, of course, everybody wants a slice of that pie, don't they? You know, whether you're playing in the in League Two here in Scotland, and we've got member clubs as well playing in the East of Scotland League, playing in, even still in amateur leagues and playing, you know, there's, there's a huge membership of the game that will all be arguing that they should, you know, they should get the same slice, if, if you like, of that pie. But, you know, for me, the big one is we need to get fans through the gate again. Mm. You know, the one I keep hearing is clubs won't survive until you get the, the fans paying through, you know, the fans paying through the gate. And that's the lifeblood as well of, of any club, isn't it? Whether you're a community club or whether you're a big club, the lifeblood of that club is the fans. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, what will that new normal look like? I, I really don't know. I've heard stories about clubs measuring to see the two-metre distances, how many seats become between that two-metre distance to make sure they can get fans in, you know, yeah. and then drawing out route maps almost when you're in the stadium so that you can get to toilets and then round back into your seat without, you know, without crossing anyone else. So it's, you know, there's, there's, people, that, <laughs> there's people that are far closer to that than me that will give better answers than me, but it'll certainly be interesting. And I just, I just like to think that there are opportunity. You know, that there is there hopefully is opportunity for us to come out of this a hell of a lot brighter. Um, how people do that, I, I really don't think people have got to, you know, there, there's a lot of self-vested interest. And I think if we start looking at the game here in Scotland, there's a lot of passionate people wanting to do a lot of good. And um, yeah, and hopefully that will override that kind of self-vested interest in time. Yeah, so when you look at Scotland, there's a lot of, you know, managers we've seen David Moyes Alex Snell doing a terrific job at Preston yeah which young managers do you think we should be looking out for um in Scotland because you don't really see a lot of young ones coming through and Scotland as you mentioned it's a vociferous country with a lot 
Scotland's fan. It's a country of footballing tradition. So which young managers are coming out of Scotland that you believe within the next two to five years can make a serious splash? It's a great question. It's a great question. On our, if I think to our current pro license, our current pro license cohort, we've got Russell Martin. And I, uh, you know, I just I'm no, desperate for Russell to do, yeah. yeah. And Russell's now the yeah. MK Dons manager, so yeah. I'm desperate for Russell to do well there. And I, th- I think he will. I think um, Russell Russell talks very well about his first three or four months in the job. Um, he, he took on a job there at MK Dons straight from playing. And I think he tells a story about losing maybe the first five games, but now he's through that period. Now you know he seems to have embedded his philosophy to play. Not only that, but he thinks, you know, we're, we're, we're talk, we've mentioned it time and time again, but Russell's big on the performance psychology type stuff, you know, and, and getting through that. You know, when, when a team's in the doldrums and getting beaten and in the relegation, you know, or, or near relegation, then the first thing you've got to sort out is the players' heads, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So Russell, Russell's done a lot of work on that, um, and he's, he's hopefully through that, and he's hopefully in a good place. So, you know, I'd love to see... Absolutely love to see Russell Martin kicking on, and you know he's just he's just a fantastic guy as well. Another one on our current pro licences, um, not necessarily a manager, but with the high hopes for for Barry Nicholson, Barry and Joey Barton, Fleetwood, um, and again has, has conducted himself very very well on the pro licence and, and, and looks like a fantastic talent in in management. So that's two guys that are currently on our you know on our UEFA pro licence that are doing that are doing fantastically well. Um, well, and we'll hopefully kick on. You know, that's that's them both working in the English game. If I look back to previous previous pro license courses, you know, you've got guys like Robbie Nielsen now that again, you know, was Hearts manager and mm. funnily enough, <laughs> MK Dons again, but is now back at the United and just won the championship. And just seeing Robbie go about his business, Robbie's been working on the on the B license with us the last couple of weeks. Just seeing the way he conducts himself and the way he operates himself and the detail he gives course participants um, is, is someone else, again, who's very young. Um, I think Robbie's only early 40s. I'm going to go back to Russell. You forget how... I actually forget yeah. how how young Russell is. You know, Russell's... So young. He's like 34, I think. Something like that, yeah. 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 So there's kind of three or four... Listen, you've, just, you've done me in here, Dej, because the, <laughs> <laughs> there's people listening to this. They'll say, why did you not mention me? <laughs> and I know fine well I'll come off myself and I'll kick this. I'll kick myself and I'll think, bloody hell, I should have mentioned, you know, whoever it is. But, there's, you know, there's plenty, of, there's plenty of good people out there. Very, We've been very fortunate, very fortunate on our UEFA license courses. To have people, you know, Jack Ross, there's another one. Jack's coming to work with us on the UFA license. Is that the Sunderland? I think it's yeah, that Sunderland yeah, before. Yeah. Yeah. That again tells fantastic stories as to why that never maybe worked out the way he had hoped and expected. But Jack, again, young, I think again, early 40s. Um, you know, but he's, he's, you know, he hardly get beat, you know, and he holds his hands mm. up and he says the problem was, the problem was it was just too many draws at Sunderland. But mm. his, his win ratio, I think, was. Was it high fifties, high fifty percent? Yeah, yeah. But the problem was, you know, the draws that he's he admits did him in in the end. So, so they're mentioning people. Listen, we've got good people in the girls and women's game, and I don't think we should forget that either. Shelley mm. Kerr, you know, is a fantastic women's national team manager. Um, that, that we've got Shelley's been, you know, down south. We, you know, Arsenal ladies manager, and then worked in the men's game for a while as well. So. There are good people, as you say, and we're, we're, thankfully we're starting to get. And in fact, if you start, if you start actually picking away at management teams that are working in the Premiership or the Championship in England, you start looking to see 
either where people have been educated, which can be Scotland or their Scottish their Scottish staff on their on their coaching team, which is which is great for us. So we just yeah, I think there was a point in time I was working in Ireland at the time, and I think there was about I think six or seven managers that were Scottish working in the Premiership. You know, and for me as coach education manager, that's a fantastic sale, isn't mm. it? Because you know, you could argue that Mourinho did his did his license courses in Scotland. Um, Villas Boas did his license courses. Mm. Nuno at Wolves did his mm. license courses in Scotland. Um, some of the goalkeepers that are working the Portuguese goalies down there have done their goal their, their courses here in Scotland as well. So mm. it's not just it's not just Scottish coaches that are guys that are Scottish, but it's also those people that are coming through. Course, we've got to look out for as best we can. Greg, final, final question for me. Um, how important is it to have, you know, massive figures in the Scottish game? For example, we've got Steven Gerrard, Gary Makar, um, obviously Brendan Rodgers was at Celtic and his yeah. right-hand man, Colo Torre. So how important is that for the league? I think it brings exposure. I think somebody mm-hmm. mentioned it earlier. I don't know which one of the three of you it was, if it was Burge Dej or yourself, Dot. But, you know, I think, I think it brings Explain, and I think you know, you know, I've, you know, if all MD needs to do is listen back to Michael's Bills podcast on this, and Michael will talk very favourably, favourably about standards. You know, Michael's worked in Brazil, he's worked in England extensively, and now he's in Scotland, and he'll talk very favourably about the level of, of playing standards here. So, the likes of Stephen Gerrard will help, will help not raise the, it'll st- definitely help raise the standards, but it'll, it'll help raise the exposure. So. Those people, without a doubt, you know, that, that definitely helps. I think that I think that goes without saying. But the thing we've got just is qualifying for, for major championships mm-hmm. again. I think that's the point. You know, everybody wanted to know about what they were doing in Iceland, didn't they? Everybody wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to know. You know, if, if Scotland looked around, if we look around Europe, you know, you can maybe draw a comparison with, well, nobody can draw a comparison with Iceland, you know, unless you're a town or a city, you know, a small city, a population yeah. of 300. But if we start looking at, let's say, a Croatia, you know, they got to a World Cup final. What are Croatia doing? But societal, yeah. you know, things are different. So, yeah, you're, you're right, Dot. You know, big figureheads will definitely help us get that further exposure. I th- think that probably Stevens managed to sign at Rangers that maybe wouldn't have signed, but it's because Stephen Gerrard and, you know, Stephen, let's be honest, if Stephen Gerrard's asking you to come to your club, you're, you're saying, where do I sign? You know, so that, that, that helps. That absolutely helps. Mm. So, you know, things like that, but I think, as I say, I think, you know, getting to major championships will help us further um, increase mm. the exposure. There's a lot of good stuff going on, as I keep saying, and, and as, as, as I've said before, Michael Beale's play, paid testament to as well. So, um, it's just about chipping away at it and getting those getting those big figures. You know, you you probably always remember the you know you remember the Rangers team when Gaza signed. You know, you guys growing up in England, I'm sure mm-hmm. Gaza signed that that raised eyebrows, and I'm sure it raised eyebrows as well when, when Stephen came up to, yeah. to come up to Rangers to be the manager. Yeah, yeah. Right, Greg. Final question for me, just in the interest of time, but I've got to uh, ask you the question. Um, at the time that we spoke to uh, Stephen Reid. Um, we, we, we mentioned it um, earlier on in the, in, the, in, the, in the podcast that, you know, Scotland had a very, very important game against um, Israel. That's really, yeah. And it was, it was only a few weeks off at that point. Of course, um, we've got the tentative date of, of, of sometime in, in October to, 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 um, for that match to be played, right? So, yeah, yeah. back a little while. 
in your view, do you see it as a help or a hindrance that it's been it's, it's been pushed back? Um, does it give the the coaching staff more time to to work on tactics and 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 look at uh, things like that, or is it is it a, a, a case of it being a hindrance in that there's no sort of momentum uh, building up to that game now? Wow, wow, what a question that is! <laughs> <laughs> As <laughs> um, a helper, you could probably argue it could work anyway, and you won't. I don't think you'll know until everything settles down. Let's be honest. Part of the question there, I think, Booge was: Will it be a will it be a help in the way it might give the coaching staff more time? I don't think it will give the coaching staff more time. I think the coaching staff, regardless of when FIFA set international dates, once we come out of this, or how long they can get access to players will be the same for everyone once they set those FIFA international dates. So I think every day from that point of view is on an even keel. I only think, asking, I, only, I think the only way that people could get a help from it is that if the Scottish League, and thankfully we've mentioned a lot of Scotland Scottish players that are playing in England just now, and we know the English League is going to start again very soon. So if the Scottish and English Leagues were to start again pretty soon, and perhaps the Israel Israeli league mm. doesn't start as soon as that, then that might might give you a, a bit of an added edge because the players, you could argue, might be fitter. They might have been playing mm. for longer after this theory. But then again, you would need to do some in-depth analysis of the Israeli team and working yeah. out where all those players are playing because there's a couple at Celtic, for example, that will they'll go back playing. So there's probably a couple down playing in England that will go back playing. So... Mm. You need, you need to kind of weigh all that up. But there's always that argument as well that, well, if they get an extra two weeks, they might be a little bit fresher. You know, and if you're back yeah. playing again, yeah. you might, you know, we might have, like John McGinn might have been struggling mm-hmm. with an injury. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Yeah. John McGinn might now be back. Um, yeah. yeah. Scott McTominay mm-hmm. with an injury. Yeah. Scott McTominay might now be back. So you could argue there's two players, perhaps two key players for Scotland that'll be back. Kieran Tierney might get more mm-hmm. playing time yeah. struggling again as well. Mm-hmm. So there's with the shoulder, time. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's perhaps three players for Scotland that we could have backed that we maybe didn't have. But of course, yeah. start playing again, people can pick up more injuries and Israel, oh. the Israel League might not be playing. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. how do you, you know, how do you measure whether that's a help or a hindrance? You know, I, I really don't know. Um, I really mm. don't know. But, you know, it maybe gives Stephen Reid and Steve Clark and those type of guys, does it give them more time to do analysis? give them more time to look into things, to look at individual analysis to the players and maybe make better informed decisions or, or I just don't know. But the same the same can hold for the Israeli coaching staff. So yeah, yeah, sure. It's a, it's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes, isn't it, I think? Yeah, 100%. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed, yeah. You guys, yeah, come yeah. Up. you guys should come up and get the tartan on. Get the socks, <laughs> the tartan on. I'd, I'd would be you up for Yeah. Well, see, this is this is the most frustrating thing. The game's sold out. The game's sold out. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, it. Yeah. I'm sure you can get us through the back door. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to get in just now and just camp out, maybe somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back yeah. Thanks, Greg. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I'm sure every pub is going to be to be packed up there as well. Well, I hope so. You know, it's game, been, yeah. As I say, it's been a long time, and just to get us into that into that playoff final after that would be would be fantastic so mm. it's been a long time in coming you know we've been we've been close or close enough but um, you know it's never you know I think 20 odd years yeah 23, mm. 23 24 years yeah. or something like that it's just crazy yeah. it's just crazy and I can remember 
can remember, I, I, you know, I think it was just, was I 18, 19 when we went to France? And just fantastic, fantastic for the fans, fantastic for the country. Yeah. Just, just absolutely brilliant. And to get those times again, you know, and it's heartbreaking for me to take my, take my, take my kids along to a game now, you know, and just, come on, Scotland, come on, Scotland, hearing their little voices and you just hope and pray it will not yeah. be too far for them. You don't want to go a whole generation without. Yeah, we yeah, need to yeah, inspire, yeah. And that's a big thing as well. We need to inspire a generation. You know, me and my job, we need to inspire a generation of coaches. We also need to inspire a generation of, you know, of young players, you know, especially at these times, especially at these times. You guys will be okay, England. I see, Dot, you've got your England strip on. <laughs> and Des, you've got your Bayern, you've got your Bayern Munich strip on. You're a big, uh, big Bundesliga fan. Yeah, I'm happy to the league's back. At least you have. Right. you're just neutral with that red. Are you an awesome I, I think he's wearing red. I think he's wearing red. I think he's wearing red. This has been an absolute This has been a coaching clinic. It's been beautiful. Yeah. Guys, yeah. thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been great. I didn't know how, you know, hopefully it just gives some different. And it's, it's fantastic. You know, absolutely fantastic to speak to you. And, 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 you know, I think sometimes coach education is a is a probably a, a best kept secret. And people, as you said, right at the top, people understand the intricacies of what goes on and maybe the impact it can hopefully have. So, Hopefully, hopefully somebody out there somewhere is listening. I've not decreased your listenership. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Greg, it's, it's been a pleasure. And we've enjoyed it as well. And I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners uh, have enjoyed it too. So, uh, guys, thank you very much for listening in up until this point. We're going to call it a day there. Before we sign out, we just want to remind you, if you're not yet subscribed um, to our YouTube channel, please make sure you do. It's the Beautiful Game podcast. And if you're not following us on uh, Instagram, it's at pod underscore TBG and on Twitter at podcast underscore TBG. And you can listen to our episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts as well. And if you're listening on, on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave our review. All of your engagement, your listenership uh, really, really helps us move the platform forward. And we really do appreciate all of you guys and I think that's pretty much it, Dot. Have I forgotten anything? All good, bud. <laughs> Come good. on, Dot. So, <laughs> <that's it. laughs> <That's it. laughs> so until the next episode, over and out. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.